0: Horrific Tales. On this show, we like to celebrate the creations of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like, subscribe, and share these videos to help get our friends as much exposure as possible. We'd also appreciate it if you could support our authors by following them on their independent platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do so will be in the show notes. On this Horrific Tale, we like to bring you a tale by our friend Cody Eichelberger entitled Dark Seasoned. An ancient entity shall rise among the living in times of disparity, evoke torment, and cast them into the darkness. I am, says the entity, the devil, and you are all my children. Reverend Boyd, 1932. A mellow sun slept in its harness of cumulonimbus clouds like an egg yolk trapped within its scattered mass of whites spread across a human airspace. A flock of Canadian geese journeyed across it from the north to begin their annual migration. Beneath it all rustled a withered formation of parched corn that sounded like a colony of irate cicadas. Gunnar hadn't seen so much dead corn in his life, and if he had, they came only from dreams. A rooster by the name of Bart sounded off with his infuriating crow, unaware his biological mishap would someday cost him a bullet. Todd Fletcher feathered at his overalls as the sun scorched his eyes even though he became an inch away from becoming legally blind. A double-barrel shotgun, among America's finest, accompanied him, fully loaded to strike down that miserable buzzard at any given moment. Roosters are supposed to crow at dawn, are they not? Gunner asked as he tinkered around with his bootlaces. Ha! Todd laughed as he reached for the warped newspaper. Spilt coffee bled across the headlines. I would be better off butchering this son of a bitch and calling it even." Todd opened the newspaper and began to scan. "'It looks to me like another kid made the headlines,' he said. An itch traveled up his throat, causing him to cough a wad of smelly mucus into the worn base of his palm. He took a moment to examine it, disgusted by how something like that was produced by his own stomach, before he wiped it across his denim chest pocket. He discarded the paper to Gunner. "'What does it say, boy?' You know my eyes can't read worse shit. Written in bold across the first page read, Remains of Quincy Boy Discovered on Heckman property, Quincy, Pennsylvania. He skimmed across the article, astonished by the grisly discovery, and unable to cope with the fact this boy attended his same school. Brady Heckman's body was found, Gunner told his grandfather. Tremors in his hands made the reading more difficult. It doesn't say much more than that. He could hear a discreet sigh leave Todd's mouth as the stickiness on his fingertips became bothersome. Nothing was worse than having sticky fingers, not to mention whatever the fuck caused it. Getting old is a bitch. Makes the fourth kid this summer, Todd said. What else does it say? Gunner streamed through the passages, bypassing the political cartoons about a forthcoming recession, kitchen appliance bargains, and foreclosures. The article plastered across the four corners of the second page is what he was after. A severe drought plagues the suburbs of Hill Garden. Thousands of dollars lost posing yet a second natural disaster to impact the local agricultural community within the last decade, Gunnar read. Todd's degraded sense of attention transitioned to the overcast that shifted in like an uninvited guest. The sun had called it quits moments earlier, which caused the land beneath it to become submerged in darkness. The cemetery he once called Prosperous Farmland stood as a consistent reminder of what life used to be like when he was a kid. Generations passed down their inheritance only for their kin to squander it due to uncontrollable circumstances. A pity, his father once called it. But the local farmers had another name for it, a name each and every member of the agricultural community would rather keep dormant for a lifetime than speak its name. Gunner returned to his bootlaces after growing tired of reading the paper. His belly growled something fierce even though he was prominent for ignoring his appetite. Another sigh snuck past Todd's chapped lips as he gazed over his gold stocks. Such crippled uglies, he thought, sickened by their limp illness. He had turned 84 in April. A wise man once told him 72 is a blessing. Anything past that and you're on borrowed time. He lived an honest, thorough life for many years. Many of them were spent rubbing ointment into the cracks of his hands. That didn't bother him. The aches and pains of a broken body to survive a handful of surgeries didn't bother him. He looked at his 14-year-old grandson, messing with his laces, unaware of the farm's uncertain future. Now that pinched a gear in the wheelworks. It was life, and life repeats itself. Have you been eating, boy? Gunner dropped the laces, spooked. Off and on. Then what's been eating You? The news, he replied, digging a fingernail inside the crevice of his eye. The Sandman never sleeps, he thought, as he examined the grid on the tip of his finger. It's been depressing lately. Get used to it, boy, he replied. If it bleeds, it leads. It's a money thing, I'm sure. Sex and money, it makes the world go round. You're worried about the drought, aren't you, Pop-Pop? You're damn right I'm worried, he thought when he looked at the fields again. I'm not just damn worried, I'm downright fucking worried. Todd stretched out his fingers on his lap and sighed, caught in a moment of thought. A drought is every farmer's nightmare, boy. It's a nasty phenomenon that keeps us up all night. If you want to know true belief in God, talk to a farmer. They plant seeds in the ground and pray for his grace to grow it into something sustaining. Ah yes, I've come across the strongest farmers in my day, but nothing smarts worse than a drought. Eugene lived up the road over yonder many years ago when your parents were together. He was a jack of all trades, but a master of none. He lived on 74 acres, subdivided a few lots, but kept the majority for farming corn. Well, the drought came through and cooked damn near all of it. He too made the headlines that year when he throated the barrel of a 12-gauge shotgun he won at the game festival earlier that spring. The poor bastard left three children behind. The family had no choice but to sell the farm, crushing a legacy that went clear back to the Dust Bowl age. Todd sighed again, as if the small token of memory sprouted goose flesh. What happened to his kids? The youngest boy out of the three drowned in a nearby stream early spring, and a second suffocated from a hay bale instant. Come to think of it, the oldest daughter lived to work as an attorney. Seems to always trickle down to the kids. But this will pass, right? Todd pressed his lips together, acknowledging how cracked they really were. Locals call it a dark season. There's no telling, not even a farmer, the end of a dark season. We are in one, aren't we? Todd nodded, even though he wished he hadn't. I believe so, boy, he said. I believe so. The red barn stood behind Gunner, cooking in the summer heat as he worked on a broken water line three feet below the surface. The forecast predicted one hell of a scorcher, advising the public to consume as much water as possible to prevent premature strokes. As soon as he spliced the waterline, he broke away from the hole for a two-minute break. Batting insults back and forth in his mind as he watched his ten-year-old sister dig the dirt from her fingernails. Paige sat on the porch listening to Merle Haggard's "See Me Back Home from Todd's Antique Radio. Rufus, the old family Rottweiler, lurked around the corner, tongue draped over his teeth. He sipped at his water bowl before he made his way to the spigot. He dropped 120 pounds of his mass onto the dirt where he panted. As Gunnar listened to Merle Haggard from a distance, humming along to the words, he couldn't help but bicker at the fact that he had to fix the water line while Paige had the freedom to free roam and do whatever she pleased without consequences. He wiped the sweat from his Brow and squinted to shield his eyes from the boiling orb in the sky. Todd was somewhere in the house smoking a cigar perhaps checking on Gunner every now and then from the windowpane. It was hot in there just as much as it was hot on the outside, even when the fans were fully operational, but the job had to be done. There was no other way going about it. Once he ended his break, Gunner dropped his knees to the dirt, leaned into the hole and began working the brass connector into the hose, praying to God it would work on the first attempt. Meanwhile. As Merle Haggard continued to fill the dead space between the barn and the farmhouse with his jail house tune, Paige noticed something odd about Rufus. He was an old dog, a week shy from turning nine years old. That's 61 in dog years, she thought, if my calculations are correct. Then the inevitable thought no child ever wants to think about crept into her consciousness. Soon, the dog would have to be buried. A plot for the dog's final resting place was already determined. He would be buried in the backyard where the clothesline and the house came together. Paige leapt up from the porch and approached Rufus from the rear. Deaf and crippled from his hip dysplasia, Rufus stared at Gunner as he worked himself to death over the connection. When she knelt behind him and placed her hand on the backside of the blinded pet, Rufus jolted and dug a mouthful of teeth into her face numerous times. Gunner instantly pulled himself away from the hose and noticed Paige pulling away from the spigot towards the front porch where Todd came running out from the house Onto the lawn. Rufus had drifted off somewhere to the rear of the house, perhaps where his wooden dog box was. Gunner sprinted for the porch and followed Todd into the kitchen where he placed his granddaughter on the floorboards. Get water! Todd yelled, kneeling beside the lifeless Paige. When Gunner brought back a fresh pail of water and knelt on the floor across from Todd, he could see the damage Rufus had done on his sister. Half of Paige's face hung from the fractured cheekbone like melted pizza cheese. One of her eyes was deflated, oozing a strange white substance onto the floor. Her nose was completely gone, along with four teeth that were nowhere to be seen. As he cried, holding Paige's hand, Todd took a wet rag and attempted to tend the wound. She died on the floor moments later. Gunnar stood by the windowpane in the kitchen when he watched his grandfather escort a loaded 12-gauge shotgun hunkered in the crook of his arm out to the dog box. Todd dialed his sights in stood like that for what seemed like eternity, before he pulled the trigger. The only thing Gunner had fixated himself with was the blood trail that led directly into the opening of his dog box. That was the bitter end of old Rufus, the family pet. That's when Gunner woke from the reoccurring dream he'd had since the incident one year ago. PTSD It's a tough one to chew. Throughout the duration of a year since his sister's unexpected death, Gunner had his fair share of night terrors. He used to wake up in cold sweats, hopeful that someday the nightmares would just stop. But they refused. They kept coming and coming with no intention of stopping. He read about the terrible disease. When in doubt, do research. His heart dropped when all the symptoms led to post-traumatic stress disorder. Severity was questioned. Going to bed was often dreaded because he knew what the night would have to offer. Reliving his sister's death, over and over again. He found himself sitting on the porch with his arms crossed on the table, where he had fallen asleep. He had suffered through many nights from this nightmare only to wake up and realize how much it had traumatized him one year ago. Crickets chirped in the night. He could hear them beyond the porch screen. When he blinked a few times, he noticed something slouching over one of the open barn doors. It was quick, whatever it was. It had the figure of a small being with silver eyes. The thing in the barn stared at him, sending fear into his veins like injected heroin. Once it knew Gunnar had discovered it, the eyes went dim and ascended deeper into the darkness. Gunner rubbed his arms before he walked off the porch and into the open. He walked gingerly towards the barn, capturing a glimpse of the old dog box by the clothesline. It still looked the same other than it was dormant. He approached the barn doors, hesitant that whatever was staring at him was going to lunge out after him at any given moment. He decided to peek in at an angle, but the interior of the barn was too dark to gain any visual. It smelled like hay and gasoline. Various objects hung from the ceiling on chains such as sickles, shovels, and shears. They rattled against one another whenever a slick breeze crept in. Hello? Gunnar said, stepping inside. The odor of rotten meat pressed against him as he utilized the full moon's luminous light to part the darkness. He could see the hay bells stacked like bricks on the east wall beneath the window. It's where the thing was hiding. He saw it inch its way from behind one of the bells, its eyes like silver bullets. He crept out into the open, his body masked by the blanket of darkness. When it moved, it slunk with a hunch, exerting the sound a cicada makes in August. It rattled four yards from the bell, excreting a path of what appeared to be blood across the dirt floor. Behind him, barn door slammed shut allowing the heavy odor of rot to settle in quicker he wanted to escape but he knew he was in for the long haul when it unraveled rather swiftly the thing departed from the blanket of blackness and into the moonlight where it strolled on two legs page gunner said falling to his knees the girl glimpsed at gunner with its two silver eyes half its face fallen off she looked exactly like she did when she was sprawled out across the kitchen floor she held a finger up to his lips, as if to hush Gunner. But you died, Gunner cried. She walked up to him as if she didn't have a care in the world. She met him by the side and placed a hand over his shoulder. Get out, she whispered. But, get out of here, she pled, keeping her hand on his shoulder. He'll find you. What are you talking about? You wouldn't understand, she said. When her eyes blinked, they clicked. He's seen this phenomenon before in reptiles, get back into the house. As much as Gunner wanted to simply grasp her in his arms, tell her how much he missed her, he scooted on back to the farmhouse, where Todd had fallen into a deep rim cycle. It appeared the whiskey did its job. Gunner slipped into his pajamas, his mind wandering about what he'd seen lurking in his father's barn. Was it real? It felt real. The rotten odor reeked from its clothing. That was definitely real. His twin mattress faced a closet where the doors folded outward. They were closed, thank God for small favors. He slipped under the covers to rub his feet together. The next day was Sunday. Todd never worked him on Sundays because it was reserved for rest. It was an opportunity for him to explore the barn in the daylight for evidence. As the night rushed in, Gunnar stared at the closet doors. When his eyes got heavy, he fully closed them and prayed for sweet dreams. The sleepy town of Quincy had a secret As discreet as legend was, nobody really wanted to talk about it. The good people of Quincy abided by the practice that if they don't ever bring it up, maybe things will change. But it didn't. Children kept dying, and nobody knew why. The legend slept in the cobwebs inside the musky cellar of North Street Chapel. Bound within the fragile pages of a little black book, Pastor Harris was the only one the town trusted to have restricted access to it. On occasion, curious kids hoped to get their hands on this controversial book to find answers. It normally happened when a death of a minor ended up splattered on the front page of the headlines. It got to a point where Pastor Harris had a routine of purchasing the morning paper. That way, he'd have plenty of notice before he'd get questioned on the whereabouts of this ancient book. Still, he kept his bearing and respectfully declined all increase. But that didn't mean he was curious himself. Nobody is perfect. Even if they devote their lives to serve God. He'd spent restless nights analyzing the pages written by children who've encountered an unearthly being. All of them had a name for it, Old Ben. That wasn't the only pattern he'd established in his research. According to the children's testimony, the clues they left behind indicated that this real nasty creature would often show up when things began to go down the shitter. Some of the chapters dealt with a consistent pattern of death, Others described financial burdens that plagued their families. When he returned to the cellar to refresh himself, he was the only one who knew a dark season would bring trouble. Big trouble. Then came the sudden realization, the Aha! moment. Depression seemed to resurrect this ancient evil as if it fed from it. The paper treasury he held in his hands gave him power of knowledge. Although he was destined to study it, perhaps more than the Holy Bible, Something about the book seemed addictive. He craved to know more, not only to help the poor children escape this fucking thing, but simply to obtain the insight of what evil truly was. The pages went clear back to the Great Depression, written by two witnesses, one of which had a drawing of something dark with antlers. Others depicted a thin skeleton with red eyes sunken into its skull, and only children could see him. Knowledge can also lead to madness, Pastor Harris abused this knowledge when he craved too much of it as if the passages had worked its way into his mind. Before he jumped off the bell tower and shattered every bone in his body from the impact, the black book of secrets was propped open to reveal the last page his naked eyes had studied. Scribbled in childish writing was the phrase written by hundreds of lost children, Hyderize, Hyderize, from the fear that walks the land, he comes for one, he comes for all, the children of the boogeyman. Gunnar opened his eyes three minutes past midnight when he saw the girl again, slumped over his bedside. The silver light in her eyes stared into his as she whispered the ancient warning over and over again. He wanted to duck beneath the covers, where he knew his safe haven was, but couldn't move. An uncontrollable force kept him there, staring at those eyes as she whispered. Then, he felt something watching him. Standing by an open closet door, an old man dressed in a gray suit grinned. This man had to have been damn near 80, tortured by the pressure from a hump he carried on his back. His eyes were closed, his cheeks were raised, and a wide grin stretched from ear to ear. He stunk like an old freezer, full of meat that spent incubating for weeks due to a fault in the electrical system. Only the full moon discovered his presence, but he did nothing but grinned as if he smelt something pleasant. Paige stopped whispering when Gunnar noticed the man by the closet. Abruptly, the massive ghostly dog struck Paige down to the floor beside his bed and began to finish what it had started a year ago. Gunner realized the dog was Rufus. By the time he leaned over the edge of the bed, Rufus had cleaned out the ghost girl's skull like emptying out a food dish. His tail wagged behind him as he sat beside the old man by the closet door. His eyes were now opened, blacker than tar. The grin had widened. "'Oh, God!' Gunner wept, curling the covers over his lips. "'God!' the man said, his teeth whiter than tusk. "'Unlikely. You can call me Old Ben. All of my children call me that.' "'What are you going to do?' Gunner cried. "'I?' Old Ben said, creeping up to the bed. "'Well, I'm going to scratch.' Scratch, scratch, until I reach the bone, my dear boy. The Dienste's fingers grew twice their size to reveal these awful nails. Then, I'll eat you, Old Ben said. Why are you doing this? Old Ben grinned again, only this time, he had the teeth of a great white. Why? Old Ben asked. Because you saw me. The nails crept beneath the covers and began to do what the creature promised. He began to scratch the boy's legs raw, splitting open the flesh. Gunners screamed in torment as he felt them nip the bone. It was going to be a long night, and it was only the beginning. Todd cradled the shotgun in his arms as he watched a truck approach the farmhouse. He gripped the gun as he endured the unbearable crow from the rooster over yonder. One of these days, you bitch, Todd said, coughing. Out stepped a younger man by the name of Benjamin. He worked behind the local hardware store selling grain from the mill. When he saw Todd sitting on the porch, he removed his hat. I wasn't expecting any visitors, Todd said, rocking. Benjamin opened the screen door and stepped inside. I came to give my condolences, Benjamin said. What's happened to Gunner was an awful thing, I just wanted to come here and check on you. A grandfather should never have to bury his grandchildren, Todd said, keeping an eye on his dead corn. Have we scheduled any funeral arrangements? Already done, Todd said, gripping the firearm like an ape. Unfortunately, we will have to settle for a closed casket. I heard, that bad? I found the boy without a face, Todd said. Police suspect he did it to himself with a pair of scissors. He cut himself all too. He couldn't finish the sentence. No matter how hard he tried, Benjamin pressed his lips together and placed a hand on Todd's shoulder. Rest easy, my friend, Benjamin said. You will see him again someday. <sighs> ah, hell, Todd said, sniffling. Thank you for stopping by. Anytime, Benjamin said. He jumped into the truck and returned back to work. As Todd sat there, pondering over the past week's events, he looked at his cornfield. The stocks had gotten worse to the point where they slouched over one another, like friends seeking support. He gripped the firearm as tight as he could, thinking it would be a good time to use it, for there's no telling, not even a farmer, the end of a dark season. Well, we hope you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you'd like to keep up to date, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, also follow us on our social media pages. You can also show your support for the channel by going to our merchandise store, picking up some items there. Please also take a moment to support our contributing friends who kindly lend their talents to this show. Check out the links in the description as to how you can do this. Until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.